This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. Sometimes it's, uh, it's just great to let that moment linger of being with Christ. And uh, what a great truth to sing. You are stronger. You are stronger And uh, I love that part that says, it is written, Christ is what? Risen. Yes. For those of you who are brand new, well, you picked a great day to come to New Life. Half a dozen times a year, we have a baptism Sunday, and this is one of those. And um, I realized as I was preparing for this morning that a number of people in our audience have probably never seen someone baptized And probably many of you have never seen a baptism service at New Life. It is a very special time. But I want to give you just a little bit of a a Bible background. Baptism is the only external way that God has given us to demonstrate that we are taking him up on his offer of salvation. And it is a picture of a spiritual reality. And the spiritual reality is that when we choose to become a follower of Christ, that we die to the old way that we used to live. And so baptism begins with the death, and then we, are, we bury that old way of living in the waters of baptism, and the Bible says that we are raised in to walk in a whole new way of living. Take a look at the video screen. I want to read you a passage out of Romans chapter 6. It says, We died... And we're buried with Christ by, by what? By baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also can live what? New lives. What's the name of this church, by the way? If there's ever a church that ought to celebrate baptism, it's this one, right? Because it's all about new life. So... Because many of you have never seen that, take a look at the video screen and here's, here's a, just a video recapture of some of what's taken place here in the past.
I'll show you that for a couple... Doesn't that make you just kind of want to just go straight to that right now? That does me. Um, I'll show you that for a couple of reasons. Because I have no idea what's going on in your life before you came here today. But I just want you to know this. We get ready to baptize people. We're going to give anyone the invitation. And I want you to pay attention to what God says to you in your heart today. As I teach... Because you may not have come to church planning to be baptized, and you probably didn't bring any clothes because you don't usually come to church with an extra set of clothes, right? But I do want to tell you, we have t-shirts, so you can put a t-shirt on over whatever you've got, whatever you're wearing, so you can be decent. We've got towels, uh, so, so that you can dry off. You're going to go home a little damp, yes? But I want to tell you this. Never in your life will you ever regret paying attention to what God says to you in here. Are you on board with that? Never in your life will you ever regret that. So if God says, hey, this is it for you, it's usually normal for some people just to step out and come and go home wet, but go home happy. So there you go. That's what we're going to do later on this morning. Now, uh, I got one other thing to, to take care of before I get started teaching you. And that is, if you'll take your program and pull out a couple of things from it, pull out this long skinny card, because that's a really important card. I want everyone to pull out the card, even if you already filled it out, would you pull it out so that people around you don't feel awkward like you're, they're doing it, but you're not? And uh, on the front side, the, the place that says start here, so place at the bottom that says contact information, okay? And the contact information is for this. Can, do, do you remember... Any of you, those middle-aged college students who sat up in front always and actually paid attention and made everybody else mad, right? You know, I'm going to assume that all of you are like middle-aged college students today, okay? And that you're at church because you don't want to pass a test or you don't want to just get a degree. You're at church because you actually want to learn something about life. Am I right about that? Yeah, okay? So we want to help you do that. And in order to help you do that, we have to be able to get a hold of you and get in contact with you. So that's why I would ask, just ask, put as much information, for those of you who are brand new, put as much information in the contact info box uh, as you feel comfortable with, and we can get started on helping you actually get connected with God. And uh, if you come here all the time and we already have your contact info, just put your name there. Now, on the back side of the card, there's a place for prayer requests. There's a place for you to personally respond to what I'm going to teach you this morning. And there's places to ask for information about various things and get involved in various activities. At the very end of our church service, we'll be passing baskets. If you're a first-time guest, just drop this in there, fill it out, drop it in there. Stop by the kiosk in the middle of our, of our lobby, and we have a guest gift bag for you with uh, some pretty cool stuff in there, as well as some great information about new life. Secondly, pull out this sheet and get ready to learn, because we're going to talk about life beyond. This is the middle of our Beyond series. And uh, so, last week, Pastor Kevin got us started. By the way, if you're wondering what the Beyond is, is there's a line that goes continuously through history and through the entire human race, and it divides the entire human race on, into two great categories, and only two, and that line is the line of salvation, and this entire sermon series 
is what is life like on the other side of that line? What is it like to live as a Christian? And if you're not a Christian, I hope that we paint such a wonderful picture of that, of the realities of what it's like to live that beyond life, that, that you'll look at that and you'll go, wow, that's what I've wanted all of my life. I just didn't realize it was found in Christ. Last week, we looked at the very first part of Romans chapter 8, and it talks about the fact that this life is a life beyond condemnation. For the, for the chapter begins, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I won't take time to preach that whole message. You can pull it up on our website and listen to it. It's a great message. And in it, Pastor Kevin sort of set the stage for what we're going to talk about today because this is about life beyond weakness. In other words, how to live a life of power and victory. So we're going to start with a core question that we're going to come back to and answer. But here's the core question. How can I experience victory in my life over sin. And right away, if you've been struck with the thought that there are a bunch of sinners in your life that you wish were here today, just recognize that you are the one that God brought. And there might be an implication in that for you. Got it? Because I can tell you the truth. There's never a time in anybody's life when there isn't something in there that God wants to change. Is that true? Yeah. So the question is, how can I experience victory in whatever that is? And we're going to jump right into the Bible passage. So here's our core Bible passage, and it's a little lengthy. It's, uh, it's got about uh, nine or ten verses in it. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if... Put a circle around the word if, because this is not automatic. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Should that get your attention? That should just arrest your attention. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Now, Paul is writing this to Christian believers in the city of Rome. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, read the next three words. What do they say? You will die. Should those words get your attention? Yeah, no one wants, no one wants to live that way. But if through the power of the Spirit you put the, to death the deeds of your sinful nature, read the next three words. You will live. How awesome is that? For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. 
Now we call him Abba, which was a sort of Hebrew word for daddy, father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. For if we share in his glory, well, we must also share in his suffering. Now, it doesn't take a whole lot to realize I can't preach every truth in there this morning. I could spend a year in that passage. It's a great passage. But we're going we're gonna to delve into that passage and draw out of it the truths to help answer our core question, which was what? How can I experience victory over sin in my life? Here's truth number one, and you have to know this. Truth number one is living by my nature with my power or by my power produces a life controlled by sin and it ends in death. Wow. I want you to go back in that passage and I want you to underline right sort of at the beginning of it. There, there's, there's some words in there and it talks about your sinful nature. You see those three words? I want you to underline or circle those to do something that will draw your attention to them because they are key. Because quite often we think that somehow when we become Christians, we sort of get the free pass on temptation or sin. I can tell you this for sure. Most people think that pastors get a free pass on that. I can also tell you for sure that's not true. Either one of those. You see, when you decide to become a Christian, it doesn't mean that your old nature dies. Friend, you're, until Jesus comes again, your old nature is never dying. You will have to do battle with that old nature all of the time. You have a nature in you. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not a bad person. But there's a dark sort of person that lives in all of us. That causes us to get a sort of evil pleasure when something bad happens to somebody we don't like. Can you relate to that? I know you can, and if you can't, you're lying right through your teeth. <laughs> we all got it. There's a nature on the inside of us that when we're driving down the road and someone does something we don't like that loves to reach for the horn and give them more than a friendly toot. Yeah, we all got it. And the problem is, when I live by my nature and I live by my power, we're going to come back to that a lot, the my power part, the, the end result is no matter how hard I try to live a good life, and no matter how hard I try to live victoriously over sin, inevitably sin rises up, takes control of who I am, and it begins to dictate my life. There's a number of people in our audience this morning who are open about their recovery. Okay? For all of the rest of us, we should also be open about our recovery. You understand what I'm talking about? 
We tend to sort of pin that tag on those who struggle with alcohol or who struggle with gambling or who struggle with narcotics. But the truth is, every single one of us struggles with certain sins and we have to work to be in recovery because the truth is, when we live with our nature, by our power, the only possible result is some sort of sin that sets the standard for our life. Now, I'm glad the passage doesn't end there. It says, your sin nature. And then underline this part of it, because I just taught it to you. It says, if you live by its dictates, you will die. You know why he uses the word die? He's not talking. Yeah, I mean, yes, eventually you're going to die, but he's not actually talking about that. Can you name any picture in this world that pictures powerlessness more than death? When you die, you got no power. Just done. The truth is, the reason why many people feel powerless to deal with their anger, powerless to deal with whatever the frustrations are in their marriage, powerless to properly handle raising their children, powerless to deal with gossip, powerless to deal with pornography and lust, powerless to deal with whatever whatever the sin is. It doesn't make any difference. The reason that people feel powerless is because they're going to a dead person for power. There's no power in death. None. But there's another side. You couldn't miss it as we read through the passage. This is the fun part, okay? But if you don't get that part, you'll never be motivated to go to this part. So let's go to the truth number two. And truth number two is this. Living with Christ's nature by God's power produces a life controlled by God's Spirit. And it ends where? In life. Wow. It ends in life. I want you to go back up into that passage and I want you to find the the phrase that says, Christ lives within you. The great message of Christianity isn't just that when you die, you get to live forever instead of going to hell. That's not the great message of Christianity. Yes, that is a great message. I agree with that. I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? Absolutely. But a great message, one of the greatest messages of of Christianity is that God wants to come and live within you through His Son, Jesus. This is not ethereal. It's not symbolic. It's not mystical. It's just true. That when we decide to become a follower of Christ... That Jesus Christ takes up residency here. And he lives within us. In a few minutes, we're going to be baptizing some people. And as I was praying about this baptism service, and I'm going to remind every person that I baptized today. But as I was praying about this baptism service, the truth that God just kept bringing to the surface over And over and over again is this. Jesus 
is going down with you. And Jesus is coming up with you. This is not something you're doing for Jesus. This is something you're doing with him. Because when Jesus lives within you, he does it with you. I hope you can grasp that. I hope that shakes you to your core. I hope that ignites your spirit. That Christ lives in you. What a tremendous privilege. Because when Christ lives within us, some absolutely wonderful things happen. Two of them. Okay? Uh, First of all, Christ brings the power of God's Spirit... So I want you to go back up and find the passage that says that if through the power of God's Spirit you put to death the deeds of, of, of your sinful nature, you will live. Do you find that in there? I didn't quote it exactly right, but you can find it in there. It's through the power of God's Spirit that lives within you that you can actually get the victory over sin in your life. It doesn't mean that you will never sin again, but what it means is no sin will ever exercise any control over your life. You may occasionally, periodically sin and say something you didn't want to say. And you're going to have to apologize for that, make amends and so forth. But you will never fall into a life of being a continual gossip or, or somebody who's critical and always talking bad about someone. When that happens, you know you're not living in the Spirit. Because when you're living in the Spirit, no sin can rise up and take control of your life. There's a second wonderful thing that happens when you and I get in touch with the Spirit of God that lives within us, and we begin living in that Spirit. And that is the Holy Spirit of God begins to give us a continual awareness that we are God's children. Find the part of the passage, and it's in there several times, so you can just find one of them, that says you are God's children. It's all in there, okay? Because I want you to know this. God wants you to know this, that you were intended to live every day of your life with a continual awareness that God is your personal Father. And that you are His, not generic child, you are His personal child. Have you ever sit down and visit, we struggle with this, but have you ever sat down and visited with somebody that had, you know, 8, 10, or 12 children? Most of us know somebody like that, right? Okay? And we all look at that and go, whew, thank God that wasn't me, Right? But have you ever noticed that they tend to like that? Yeah, they wouldn't trade it for anything. And even though they have 8, 10, or 12 children, or maybe even more than that, do they look at those kids and go, it's just kids. I love them all. Don't know any of them very well. No, it doesn't make any difference how many kids they have. Every one of those children occupies their own unique place in that father's heart and in that mother's heart. And whatever happens to one of them, if it's good, they just smile and laugh and beam 
with joy for that child. And when something tough happens to that child, they cry and they hurt. And it doesn't make any difference if you got one kid or a dozen. Am I right about that? Have you ever had anyone say when a child dies, no problem, I got 11 more? No, that never happens. I don't care if God has six billion children. He's God. And that means that He is my personal dad. And I'm His kid. He knows everything about me. Not not just He's got it all charted in heaven on a you know, on an Excel spreadsheet. He knows me. My life matters to Him as much as anybody who's ever lived. My life matters to Him. Now friends, the only way you get that realization, you're never going to get that on your own because right away, what's the first thing that you feel when I teach you that? I'm not worthy, right? Right? That can't possibly be. Why would God ever want me to be His personal kid? But as you get the Spirit of God in you, and the Spirit of God, you read it, God says it in His Word, the Spirit of God begins to affirm something in you that you find almost unbelievable. And as you live in the Spirit, you get drawn into closeness with God. Because remember the old sin nature that, 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 that honks at people and laughs when bad things happen to people we don't like? Remember that old one? When you become a Christian, you get the nature of Christ in you. And the amazing thing about the nature of Christ is it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be redundant here, the nature of Christ naturally draws you to God. You don't have to force yourself to go to God. You don't have to, quote, discipline yourself to go to God. You have to make some choices. But if you tune into the new nature, the nature of Christ in you, then that nature of Christ, it will draw you to read God's Word. You're going to want to. It will draw you to seasons of prayer with God, not because you have to, but because you want to. But if you try in your own power to draw yourself near to God, you know what Dr. Phil would say? How's that working for you? Or best of luck with that. Because, friends, you can't by your own nature draw yourself to God. Am I making sense to everybody this morning? Yeah. It's by the nature of Christ living in you and the Spirit of God living in you that that you begin to be drawn to God. So now let's go back to our core question. The core question was, how can I, in my own personal life, experience victory over sin? And here's the answer. Here's the core answer right here. I can't on my own. But with God's Spirit and Christ in me, I what? I can. Now that begs a follow-up question. 
Because I know you're asking it. If you're not, it's only because you haven't thought of it yet. You will. And here it is. If this is really true, and if Christ lives in every Christian, and if the Spirit of God indwells every Christian and gives them the power to live over, victoriously over sin, why is it that so many Christians I know still live in bondage to sin? Anybody have that question? Yeah. You've all seen it. I've seen it. Well, there are two great answers to that question. And I won't mince any words about either one. Because they're taught in Scripture and it's the two biggest reasons why Christians live in bondage to sin. Number one, because they don't really want their old nature to die. I don't know a politically correct way to say that. The truth is, they really don't want to die to that old nature and to whatever their, quote, pet sin is, they want to hang on to. By the way, you know how you keep something alive? Feed it. That simple. I stood in my mother's living room one day, and she was holding a feral cat. And she looked at me and she said, Ron, while she was petting this cat, I don't have any idea why this cat stays around. I said, could I hold your cat for a minute? I I know, this is going to sound mean, and you're going to have to go home and pray for forgiveness for your pastor, all right? Because it was the middle of the winter in Iowa. It was like 10 below zero outside. And I said, could I hold your cat for a minute? She said, sure. So she handed me the cat. I took the cat. I walked to the front door, and I threw it out in the snow. And she ran out and brought it back in and dried it off and petted it. I don't need to apply that to where I'm going to apply it, right? You've got the answer. I run into Christians all the time. Oh, pastor, I want victory over this sin. And they're stroking it and they're petting it. And if I went to their house, they've made arrangements to feed it. I could illustrate this in so many levels. Yeah. Pastor, I want victory over... Alcohol. You go to the refrigerator, it's all cold and ready to go. Hello. I want victory over pornography. You go to their computer, they already have their favorites already marked. I don't care how much you say. I don't care what the sin is. could be gossip. could be anything. I don't want to pick on any particular sin. But the truth is, the reason why Christians live in bondage to any sin, number one, they don't actually want their old nature to die. They just keep feeding it. Number two, because they rely on their own power instead of God's. You know, the truth is, I know tons. I've been here. I know what this is like. By the way, I've been in both of these. I've been in a situation where I didn't want my old nature to die. And guess what? It didn't. And I've also been in a place where I relied on my own power. And friends, it's a terrible place to be. 
I really wanted to live victoriously. And I made up my mind, God, because I love you, I'm going to do this for you. Doesn't work. If you've ever tried to change a tire on a car and you didn't have a tire iron with you, so you go to your handy-dandy shop and you pull out your standard socket and you get the right size socket on there and you put in that socket wrench that's about this long, right? And you get on that thing and you start pulling until the veins start coming out here, right? And you start saying bad things about the guy at the tire shop who put that on with an impact wrench, right? That's not fun. You know why that's not fun? Because you don't have the right tool for the job. The tool you have is powerful, all right. It just doesn't have enough power. In my shop, I have a torque wrench. And the handle is like that long. And it's not the 3 8 drive. It's the half-inch drive. And it'll run sockets that big around, right? And when I'm out there going... And, and the veins are popping out in my neck and I get tired of that I take that little Mickey Mouse socket set put it back in the shop I go get the torque wrench and it's called torque for a reason right and I go out there and I put the right side socket on that lug, lug nut and it's just like whoop, easy you know why because when you try to do something and you don't have enough power to do it you get defeated every time. And you know what God says? Try as hard as you might with all of your willpower and all of your discipline and all of your specialized programs, I don't care what they are, until you decide to rely on God's power instead of your own, you will never have victory in your life over sin. Amen? It is true. The great thing is anybody can have it. That's the great thing about it. So how are we going to respond to this? Here we go. Three ways we can respond. Number one is this. I'm choosing to become a Christian today. It's just that plain and simple. If you don't get on the right side of the line, you don't have Christ living in you. You don't have God's power in you. You don't have access to any of the things that we've talked about today. You're just stuck with your old sin nature and your own willpower. And best of luck with that. God says, step over the line. Get into the life that's beyond condemnation. Get into the life that's beyond weakness and that has the potential to be spiritually controlled and directed by God. And you can check that right on, your, right on this long skinny card this morning. If you make that decision, check the appropriate little circle down there and we will get with you this week and we'll help you walk across that line. Secondly, I will starve a part of my old nature I've been feeding. Does that need any application for you? Okay? If God's brought something to mind and you know what it is, then it's time for you to check that box and say, this is the week that I starve whatever it is I've been feeding that really needs to die. And number three, how am I going to rely on the power of God? Well, here's what it is, okay? I will seek God's power through... uh, What's the first word? Personal. That means it's just between you and God. Okay? What's the next word? 
daily. That means you're going to do it how many times a week? Oh, you're good. What's the next one? Early morning. What does that mean? You're not going to do this before you go to bed at night. I'm not concerned about you being controlled by sin while you sleep. I am concerned about you being controlled by sin while you're awake. So you're going to do it early in the morning, and it's a prayer session. This is not where you're praying about your wife, your husband, your kids, all that stuff. You're going to meet God early in the morning, and you're going to say, Holy Spirit, would you come into my life in a way today that I am consciously aware of your presence and your power all day long? Because, friends, every day you have the choice to get up and live in your power or in the power of God's Spirit. But you will not live in both. You will live in one or the other. Make that choice early. Make it every day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you that you've given us the opportunity to step over that line and become Christians. Thank you that you have spoken with power and conviction into our lives. Would you help us right now to respond as you're motivating us, as you're calling us? We ask it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.